What's up? What's up? This is your girl Shanti Das, the host of the Silence the Shame podcast. You are tuned into episode 12. What up, Free? What up? Happy belated birthday. I'm saying that. <gasps> Thank you, thank you, thank you. Wait, wait, mm-hmm. it's your birthday? <laughs> it was yesterday. Dang, happy mm-hmm. birthday. Oh, yeah. Thank you, guys. I would have bought you cupcakes. <laughs> oh, I do like cupcakes, but it's all good. <laughs> you being here is present enough. You guys are in for a real, real treat today. As you can hear, we have some distinguished guests today with us on the podcast. And really, really excited because this, I think, Free, you'll agree. I know this is one of your yeah, favorite yeah. series right now that's on yeah, YouTube. I'm hyped. Yeah, it's so dope. The series is called Giants, and it's in its second season. And so we are just truly, truly grateful to have the creator, um, James Bland, in the studio. What up, James? What up, what up? Thanks for having we me. We also have the producer and director, Takara, in the building. Hi. And more importantly, we have one of the cast members, too, um, Vanessa, whose character is Journey on the show. Vanessa, you there? I am, and I like that you said more importantly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, everybody is important, right? Because it's all a dream and a vision, and um, it's just such an honor. So, you guys, welcome to the show. Ah, thanks. So for those of you that aren't familiar with the series, um, it's called Giants. It is distributed and available on Issa Rae's YouTube channel. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how that partnership came to fruition, James? Yeah, so I met Issa seven years ago, and uh, we were both just in the web game. Um, I don't even want to say just getting started because I know Issa had a few web shows under her belt. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was really just getting into the web game. Uh, Vanessa and I had a show called Fail, and Issa and I had a mutual friend that connected us um, because we were all just, you know, creating content. And, you know, Issa and I stayed in touch, and we've been friends ever since. And so uh, I had another show called First that was on her YouTube channel. I worked Mm -hmm. on the show. Get Your Life that was on our channel okay. by Amanda Seals and so when Giants came around it was a pretty easy ask in terms of asking her to distribute it through her uh, YouTube platform. That's dope and tell us about um, the partnership with Jesse Smollett. Yeah Jesse's the homie Jesse's a good friend of both Vanessa and myself. Him and I used to go to Jamaica together uh, and volunteer with the Rujan Foundation and one day he was like you know I just booked this show called Empire I'm like oh that sounds cool and then <laughs> wow. right. we all know what right. Empire now has it's become. Like, top show. <laughs> yeah and so wow. Jesse uh, had a front row seat in, you know in terms of watching us produce season one of Giants and so once we reached the end of the finish line he decided to come on board as a an executive producer to help us uh, actually get it across the finish line, and he's been involved ever since. That's amazing. Um, and, and tell us um, about Giants. Like, you know, what was your thought process in creating the characters, and particularly Vanessa's character? Um, mm-hmm. As you know, we are a mental health movement, mm-hmm. um, peeling back the layers of shame and stigma around mental health. And so when we saw that one of the characters on the show was addressing um, her own personal concerns around mental health, you know, that's first and foremost when I thought, wow, this would be a great partnership um, in talking to our good friend Monique. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Monique. Um, and so let's just kind of talk about how that came about and why it's important to address uh, mental health in the millennial community. Yeah, for sure. So Giants came about really for me uh, from the need of uh, of me wanting to create my own content. And I had spent a number of years working on other shows and I felt like I had something to say. And when I really sat down and thought about what I wanted to say, mental health was 
if I had to be honest, was not on the list. I didn't even, you know, Mm. set out to necessarily make a show where we were tackling the stigma of mental health. I just, uh, Vanessa was a good friend, and I had watched her be very open and vocal about her battle with uh, clinical depression. And uh, I was like, you know what? I've never seen that story. And I was thinking Mm. about interesting stories to tell. And so a lot of me watching Vanessa kind of come to my apartment and spend days on my couch or just things that we went through or listening to her vocalize how her family or particular Christians didn't really understand or kind of trivialize. And then we both have had uh, friends, like college friends, commit suicide. Really? Yeah. Um, And so I just really wanted to just say something that was impactful. And this felt impactful. And I had no idea the level of impact that this would have because I wasn't in tune with the mental health community or the discussion around mental health at the time. Mm -hmm. And it's really uh, a result as a result of giants that I've become more just knowledgeable and I've seen how important this discussion and this dialogue is. Yeah, it certainly is a wonderful um, thing that you guys are doing and addressing it. I want to talk to Vanessa a little bit. Vanessa, I'm not sure how much you know about my background, but my dad committed suicide when I was seven months old. Um, Four years ago, my best friend from middle school um, committed suicide, and I've had my own suicidal ideation, and I still battle with the depression. So, one, thank you for being so courageous um, and sharing your story. Can you tell us a little bit about some of your own struggles and why this character was important for you, you know, from from the perspective of of being on the show? Yeah, for sure. Um, Well, anybody who knows me will tell you that I'm kind of a chronic oversharer. Um, But a lot of that has come from the fact that um, struggling with mental health most of my life, um, Mm -hmm. specifically clinical depression and suicidal ideologies. Um, Now, as I've gotten older, anxiety, which freaking blows. Um, (laughs) But uh, struggling with that most of my life, um, the only way you could get hurt is if you screamed. Um, and so it was like, if you just said you were having a sad day, you were having a bad day, you, you felt heavy, people would just get, kind of give you a pat on the back and tell you it's going to be all right. You know, especially if you're living in a Christian community or home, God will get you through. Just, you know, rest on the Lord, (laughs) be anxious about nothing. And all of that was true. And I believe in that. I still subscribe to Christianity. Um, but there was another step that I felt like I was missing, um, support that I felt like I was missing and it didn't seem like just saying it was enough. And so I would honestly have to scream, and a lot of times people would say, you know, things are going so well for you. How could you feel like this? Like, I grew up on television. I was on two Nickelodeon shows growing up. Um, and, and as many of you guys know, a lot of times, while traumatic instances can spark a mental health crisis, a lot of times that has nothing to do with it. And it, it really is a giant that, that you either have to slay or learn how to bear. And so... You became my friend growing up from high school on. You just knew that that was a part that you were going to have to deal with, and that's why I'm kind of, like, obsessed with my friends because I've never lost a friendship um, once I was old enough to be able to say, this is what the problem is, and this is – I don't know what I need, but this is how I'm feeling. I can honestly say that I've never lost a friendship. I've had some really tough moments in friendships, but I've never lost one. Um, And James was – one of the friends who just always kind of, and this is going to, might not be worded right, but he always just kind of knew how to handle me. Mm-hmm. Um, he always, you know, he never, he always pushed me to move through it, but he never told me to get over it. Um, mm-hmm. And that was really, really important. So when, you know, I've had some of the worst, you know, in 2008, I had a really, really bad breakdown. I told my family when I was 2000, in 
shoot, I don't even remember y'all. I don't want to age myself. I was, <laughs> I was, I was in um, high school or, or maybe even in middle school. But um, I, I remember the first time that suicide, suicidal ideologies became so strong that I had to say something. And my, my, my grandmother, just who I grew up with, just could not accept it. It wasn't real. I was making it up. It was for attention. My um, grandfather did believe it, and he was like, she needs to see a therapist. And that was the first time that I had even considered that being something that I could do. Mm-hmm. Um, fast forward to college. I struggled with it throughout college. I saw a therapist throughout college. That therapist is still somebody that I love and I admire, and I greatly I, – I, I attribute her, my being comfortable in my own skin to her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, That's great. Coming out, coming out to Los Angeles was a huge transition for me. Um, I was already kind of in a crisis. It's kind of what – sparked me moving here um and had a big breakdown in 2008 it was the first time I had seen my entire family really rally behind me and accept it for what it was um and I, I came out here two years later um and I went through it here with James a lot um he was kind of like my refuge and so when he decided that he was going to do giant um he called and was basically like I just want to go through uh, I'm mixing your story up with a couple other stories that, that I have, but I really want to go through the things that I've seen you go through on my couch. And I was just bound to do it because, again, I have to scream. <laughs> like, I've learned to scream, and I felt like for once, maybe the screaming wouldn't be in vain, you know? I understand. Um, this is free, and I, I wanted to ask you, when did you first start recognizing that you were dealing with something of that was a mental health or a clinical depression? Um recognizing in something was different mm-hmm. um, and that people didn't, this was deeper than I don't, I'm not having a good day or like that, it, that it was like that recognizing mm-hmm. it maybe about 14, 15. Okay. Um, it wasn't until the big breakdown of like 16 years old, uh, about 15, 16 that I knew it had to be something, but it was still being played off as, you know, teenagers and, hormones and then of course in the black community just being a girl girls yeah. are so hard girls are so emotional did you um, I'm, can i interject really quickly when you were 16 did you happen to see a counselor when you were in college i mean in high school because we just recently um sh- were shooting a docuseries around teen depression and so i'm curious to see how you know either your peers or counselors or teachers handled it when you had your first breakdown you know the interesting thing is i didn't and like i said the only time that i had ever even heard that Here's an interesting story. I might be putting too much of my family business out, but that's okay. Um, the, oh, the first time that I had heard that was when my grandfather suggested it when I said that that's how I was feeling. And my grandmother completely neglected or rejected it. She was like, nope, we're not doing that. That's not true. That's not how she feels. Wow. She just doesn't mm-hmm. like this and she doesn't like that. What I would find out much, much later is I have an aunt who, who has suffered from depression her entire life as well as a host of other mental illnesses. Um, and they had been to a therapist with her, with her saying the exact same thing. Mm. And her saying that the only reason that she had it yet is because she didn't want my grandparents to find her. Mm. And what I recognize now as an adult, and obviously there was no way I could have recognized it then, and even if I had, I was too immature to really process it, was my grandmother was processing a lot. Two of her girls both wanted to end their lives. And as a woman in the South, as a Christian, as as a non-American, you know, she's an immigrant, that felt like failure to her. And the only way that she knew how to respond to it was to be angry. Like, she, mm-hmm. my grandmother was never given the opportunity to be sad in life. You were either angry or you were happy, and that's it. Um, 
So now fast forward, you know, 15, 20 years later, my grandma sees a therapist every week. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's really? Yes. That's great. Different anxiety. My grandma has pushed every single person in our family to go see a therapist. She's like, even if you're not struggling with anything, there are things that you're never going to be able to talk to me about. And you don't know that you should talk to other people about. Just do it for good measure. Mm-hmm. That is dope. It. That's great. That's oh, dope. You that's, and your family is so inspiring. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's really dope. I have a, I have another question. How has the um, vantage vantage point of being a parent dealing with it kind of been for you? Oh, interesting. You should ask. That. I have had the worst week, y'all. When I tell you, <laughs> it has been one of those weeks where it's like, damn, do I need to get back on Xanax? Like, mm. it's been, like, it's been, and I'm not saying that even to be funny, and I'm so glad you guys didn't laugh, because anybody else would have laughed if y'all know that That's feeling. Real. Like, that, where it's just like, I can't, I can't get a handle on anything this week. Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing is, my, my current therapist, who's a sister, and I love her, um, and I'm very open about who it is, because she hosts stuff all around the nation. She, her name is Esther, she's wonderful. She told me that the best thing about, she was like, the depression we're going to have to continue to work on forever. She's like, the best thing about having an anxiety patient is you can give them tools because anxiety is really just a wave and you've got to learn to ride this wave. And even within, depression hit me hard this week, but even within all of that, I've consistently seen my son. He don't, he don't care what's going on in my bed. Like, he don't care if I can't get up. He doesn't care how I feel. He really just wants to watch Paw Patrol and eat a pancake. And he does not understand why mommy can't get up. And so there's this push where you're like, okay, I have to at least get him up and get him dressed this morning. I have to at least do this because how the hell else is he going to get the free school? Mm-hmm. By the time I get home, I'm ready to like lay down and just cry. But something always clicks in the back of my mind that says, when you had to do it for somebody else, you got up and you did it. We have to learn to do this for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so I don't really know how that's going to continue to manifest, but I know that this whole week as I've been just Oh, gosh, just drowning this week. My son has kind of ignited a new flame that I kind of didn't know existed because somebody's whole entire existence relies on me. Mm-hmm. And I have to get up. And so when I get up, I'm like, okay, can I stay up for an hour longer? Friday I lost. Friday I took him to preschool, came in bed, and just laid there all day until it's time to pick him up. And, y'all, I promise I picked him up a minute before it was too late to pick him up. Mm. Not because I was doing anything, but just because I needed that extra time. Yeah. But he's ignited something completely different in me that, like I said, is something actually that Bland taught me, which was I can't get over it, but I have to push through. There's a whole new sense of push through because of him. Wow. I'm going to um, shift the conversations a little bit back to the show Giants um, and to Kara. Can you kind of talk about how, because I got to tell you, the, the finale got me. Right. I was like, no, sister, take the bag off. <laughs> right. I'm like, and, and trust me, I go through my own. Um, I've had suicidal ideation. I've, I still deal with my depression. But, you know, we're always obviously, you know, putting it out there that suicide is never the option. And I was just so glad when you broke the bag open. Um, talk to us one about that powerful moment and how things unfold um, from a mental health perspective in season two. So what's really interesting about that scene is that um, James and I were trying to decide how it was going to end. Mm-hmm. If we were going to make it a cliffhanger and not be able to have this audience see that she rips the bag open right. mm-hmm. or if we that's what I thought was going to happen. Show it. And so me being from a marketing background, the first thing I thought of was like, no, 
Mm -hmm. need a fuse. Like, we got a cliffhanger it, whatever. And that was before uh, episode four went live. And that's the episode where Journey is having the conversation with Candace, her sister, Mm -hmm. about being um, manic depressive. And as a result of that going live and the video going viral with 3.2 million views on Facebook, we got comments that were like, oh, my gosh, this conversation was so uh, moving and inspiring to me. Um, this is exactly how I feel. You're, you're giving me the tools to talk to my parents about uh, my mental illness. And so as a result of, of those comments that we received, we knew we could not leave people hanging. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We had yeah. to show that yeah. she she broke through right. um, and, and she prevailed. Mm-hmm. And so in season two... We continue that that journey with Journey, no pun intended. Mm-hmm. Um, in season two, she goes to therapy for the first time oh, okay. at, on screen. Okay. Um, she continues to battle with her giants, but we see her use those tools as Vanessa just talked about that you know therapists can give you for for anxiety um, as she goes through these different scenarios of the season, and she really is up and down throughout this season. Um, but I think people will be really. Uh, proud of how we how we visualize that on screen. That's great, James. Do you have anything to add to that? No, I think that's perfect. Um, we we definitely take journey through it uh, this <laughs> season. Like I think Vanessa cries every single episode. Oh wow! Every single. <laughs> and so kudos to Vanessa for just always showing up with her A game and right. just being willing to be so vulnerable because it's yeah. not easy going through this in real life. And Ooh, so to relive it, right? You know, on right. screen to relive these moments like I remember shooting that scene and I was I wanted to be so delicate you know Mm -hmm. with Vanessa and Mm -hmm. I did not want to shoot a lot of takes I remember one take was blurry and I was like let's just keep it it's going to be what it's going to be she was pregnant at the time Mm -hmm. with Ryder and so uh and even Vanessa and I had discussed the manner of which Journey was going to attempt her suicide um at one point I had this vision of her being in water um, and doing it in a bathtub. But Vanessa is really the one who gave me the suggestion that it be done the way Journey, you know, attempted it, you know, in the show. And so it was a delicate, you know, moment on set. And um, I'm really proud of Vanessa. And I'm just grateful for her uh, her courage and for her level of uh, vulnerability that she's able to show and bring to this character because it's... Um, I, it's life changing. The amount of messages mm-hmm. we received, yeah. even from that that last episode, and uh, and I, I also I really credit uh, the mental health storyline to the reason that I decided we must do a season two really? because mm-hmm. it was the messages that we received where people say you saved my life. Like mm-hmm. I was uh, so contemplating suicide and I saw Journey break through that bag. Mm-hmm. Or I'm, mm-hmm. I'll never forget this message. A young, a young lady said, for years I've struggled in silence, but this show has given me a voice to show my friends and family what it looks like to have this disease. And she felt like prior to Giant, she did not have a voice. Mm-hmm. And I had I had no idea that this, this show would offer uh, folks that type of tool and resource. It's, I think so. when you talk about, like, because your primary target demo is millennials, right? Yep. Yeah. And so, you know, I think the, that generation is, you know, inundated with so much, right? Mm-hmm. They're totally connected 24-7. And I just think sometimes they're looking, you know, for things from a content perspective, yeah, right? right? To keep pushing that conversation forward. And because there aren't a lot of shows that tackle this subject, I think it makes, you know, for, you know, the perfect opportunity for you guys to address it. And we just applaud you guys. Mm-hmm. I just have to give it up. It's very wow. Thank you. 
and I'm hoping and praying, you know, that this gets uh, not that you can't do a great job um, mm-hmm. on the web, but whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know what your dreams and aspirations are, but it's a wonderful series. Um, Thank you. Thank you. We wish you so much luck with that. Thank you. And I also wanted to ask Vanessa, has it felt therapeutic, even though you're going through it repetitively? Is it any kind of therapy on what you're actually doing to go through this and to show people? Do you feel better after you've done it? Tired. <laughs> I can, I can definitely understand. No, uh, there's a redemption in it, I guess, um, mm-hmm. that I didn't expect. I, like James said, I don't think, I don't think I thought about it that much. And as much as, you know, I'm an artist at heart, and I just wanted to put truth to art. That that's all I was really thinking about. Mm-hmm. But there's a redemption in it because, for whatever reason, it's really hard sometimes for people to see. To see things in in themselves, it's also hard to see for people to see how they look in a moment. But particularly that Candace conversation, that conversation journey has with your sister, people within my own family, people within my circle, had recognized themselves doing that to other people. Mm. And because of me, they felt like they were sensitive to mental health issues. They felt like they were sensitive to these things. And when they saw that, they were like, oh, no, I'm just sensitive to you, and that's because you forced me to be. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, and they were like, it, it just it sparked a whole new conversation. At the time, I was going to um, Hillsong Church out here in Los Angeles, but it's like an, a, a worldwide church, and they came, they did a worldwide piece on mental health and Christian. Like, everybody just had, like, this, oh, crap moment. Like, I can't believe that that's me. They saw themselves in Candace. On the flip side, like James said, there were so many people that were were reaching out and saying, thank you for giving voice to this. This is how I feel. And it kind of, that part was less redemptive and it was more scary because mo- it was mostly young women were coming to me and saying, you know, what do I do? And I'm like, God, I'm not a therapist. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, can't, I can't figure this out myself. Um, but that to me was another one of the reasons that it was like, you know what, no matter what, we're going out, we're going to give it 100% because, and and we really pushed to have a therapist this year because I couldn't answer those questions for anybody. And it became so clear how much television and art and media informed the masses as to what they should do. Mm -hmm. And so the minute they saw themselves, they were like, okay, character, you must have the answer now. And I was like, no, that character doesn't have the answer, but we do have to present an answer. We have to present an opening. And um, just to take it back a second um, to the suicide uh, attempt that Journey had in season one, that was an homage for me to Karen Washington, the founder of um, Black Girl Red Lips. Oh, Um, I don't know if you guys remember Khalid. Now it's been five, six, maybe six, seven years. Um, She had this big national movement. She was a blogger, had a big national movement, Black Girls Red Lips, about being um, comfortable in your own skin and, and wearing whatever hue you wanted to wear proudly. And I followed I her as a blogger. I thought she was a great social media personality. I was really impressed by her. And uh, um, her mother had passed a year earlier, and she committed suicide in the same way that Journey oh, committed suicide. Oh, wow. Um, wow. Or attempted suicide. And um, there were all of these think pieces afterwards. There was one by another blogger who I also followed that was so pressing to me. And it was how she knew, everyone knew that Karen was dealing with depression. People were checking up on her, but they were so stuck in their own lives and the things that they had going on Mm -hmm. that they wouldn't follow up. And so they would be like, hey, just checking in on you. And they Mm -hmm. felt like they had done their due diligence and they weren't following up. 
Um, and so one of the things that I always wanted to present with Journey, and particularly in her relationship with Journey and Malachi, is that they show up for each other. Mm-hmm. Um, because if there was anything I could offer any of those messages, it was find you a tribe. But somebody, you have to feel like you're doing life with somebody. You have to feel like you're showing up. And, and I don't want it to sound morbid, but just like I was telling you about my son or what I, my aunt said to her therapist, you have to speak. The thing that would always take me from the edge that so many people I know that has taken them from the edges, I feel like somebody would miss me. Mm. Um, and so many of us have those moments where you're like, even though I know such and such loves me, I don't know that they would miss me. Like they would be sad, but they would continue pushing on. And all of us need that one person that we feel like their life would be changed if I wasn't. You know, there. it's funny you say that. That's when I was having concept. my, thank you for sharing that, by the way. Um, when I was having my own suicidal ideation two years ago, I literally had kind of planned out my own funeral in my head, you know, thought how thought about how it would affect, you know, those around me to your point. And obviously I had some people that I knew this would just be devastating for them. Um particularly, you know, my sister and my brother, you know, because they had to live through it and they actually knew my father. You know, my sister was 8, my brother was 5. And so I was like, I can't do that to him. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just, I can't go out the same way mm-hmm. that my dad did. It would just be too much for them. So um, really. That's exactly. And my brother has been a big, that's meant he's been a big one. Where yeah. his the relationship I have with him, I'm like, he needs me. Mm-hmm. As, long as, he's, as long as he's here, he needs me. Now I have a son, I have a husband. It, the bigger your tribe is, the big, it doesn't make the pain go away, but it gives you a reason to hold on another day. Absolutely. Sometimes all you need is one more day. And so, because it can all split tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we know you have to get to work. So I have one last question for you. I don't know if, if you have a question. but So my last question is, um, what, what, what do you do for self-care tips? Because obviously being an actress and having to relive a lot of this and you deal with this in your personal life, um, what are some of the things you do? Like for me, listening to music is important. Um dedicating something at least one hour a day, getting out, taking a walk, exercise, yoga. Um, you know, self-care is so important to our overall mental wellness. And so we wanted to know if you could share any of your self-care tips with our listeners. Yeah, sure. Um, first and foremost, I'm an avid reader. Um, I'm always, always reading. Um, and the reason I like to read beyond just like the professional reasons and the academic reasons is because it's the only time that you can fully be enthralled in another place that your mind has to take you there. Hmm. So, like, as much as I love television, as much as I love film, they're presenting the place and you're just walking into it where when you read, you're creating that place in your mind. And so you are using up all of that, like, mental space that could that would be being used to worry or to, to have anxiety or to yeah. think about all the what is. You're using that mental space to create a world. And so I'm an avid reader. That, that's leaving to me. That's getting out. Absolutely. <laughs> um, uh, so I love to read. Um, as, as TJ and James know, I cook all the time. Mm-hmm. I always have people over. I really believe in communion and community. Um, a lot of people don't necessarily see that as self-care, but I do um, because it's just that transfer of love. Sometimes, you know, we, we can go weeks without speaking to some of our best friends. It has nothing to do with our love for them. It's just, you know, how life is set up. But you just need those reset moments where you're laughing together, you're talking together, you know, you're drinking together, and you're reminded, like, man, I enjoy life. <laughs> like, yes. I really like this. <laughs> Absolutely. So I'm a really big, like, we do all the holidays at our house, the littlest ones, the biggest ones. 
um, uh, lately, my husband and I have been trying to, because, you know, in L.A., it's kind of hard. You have to, like, leave to go outside. <laughs> like, a lot of, so we've been, like, making it a point to go and, like, ride bikes on the beach or um, nice. to, to go out, like, further to the beach and do stuff out there. But um, the beach has always been my solace. I grew up on the beach. Um, my house was literally a block from the beach growing up. Um, so I try to make it a point to get out to the water at least once or twice a month and just kind of zen. Um, but I'm working, I am working more on physical, like, like actual, like going to the gym and things like that. I've always only had to do it for aesthetic, but I've realized <laughs> that even just having it as part of my daily routine helps me tremendously. So, you know, 2018 goes, I guess. <laughs> um. I wanted to ask about Beyond Giants. Have you seen it influence your creativity in any other ways? Or, like, how how does it influence creativity? Um, that's an interesting question. Um, so a lesson that I learned out here um, maybe five or six years ago was that if I only waited until I felt like doing something, I would never get anything done. Okay. Um, and so... In that way, it, it hasn't because I literally just forced myself to push through it, even if I'm, like, wrote one sentence and I'm just crying. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and I'm just crying because I can't get anything down on the paper and I feel like an idiot. Um, but it has also helped because what I've learned in those moments is just to just write those feelings. And it doesn't even matter if what I write down doesn't get used. Mm-hmm. That got me through it so that I could get to the other side of it and start moving through creativity. So in that, it's actually made me a little bit more efficient because I I have to deal with the what we call our giant, like my biggest giant first. And after that, writer's block and all that other shit doesn't seem like it's real. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it, it seems fake compared to what I just had to go through to even get a piece of a, a sentence down on this page. Um, so it, it's made me more fruitful in that um, as an actress, as a writer, as an actress, um, that's kind of part of the job. Most, I think most actors and actresses, like Solange did a piece um, a few last year about ADHD, which of course isn't mental health, but she talks about how she believes that most musicians have ADHD. It is a part of mental health, by the way, just so you know. Is it? Yeah. I, I thought it was behavioral. Yeah, cl- yeah. clinicians included in overall mental Got wellness. It. Well, then that's even better. That's she said that she believes most musicians have ADHD and that they just don't know it. Something is wrong with them. And they just don't deal with it. And that's why so many musicians really can't break through to the next level in their careers. I feel similarly about depression and anxiety. I feel like most artists, particularly uh, actors and actresses, have varying degrees of depression and anxiety. And they just don't deal. Um, It is one of the things that inhibits them. But it's also, you know, it's just a double-edged sword. It's also the thing that helps them to create really vulnerable characters. And so that's why it's super important to be in therapy because you can mess around and have a great character and fall really deep into it. So mm. that's, I think, how it impacted my my work. Respect. Yeah, thank you. That was a great question, mm-hmm. Free. Well, Vanessa, we don't want to hold you any longer. Um, we are just so grateful that you were able to call in. We know you're out in Cali doing your thing. And we are all so excited um, for the premiere tomorrow. One quick thing. You were on Gullah Gullah Island, right? I was. Okay, so I just have to do this as a kid from the 90s. Oh so, my like, gosh. I just want to show you so much love right now because that's huge for us, right? Because I, I grew up in the 90s, so that, that matters. So I just had to Got do it. that. All right, shout out. Thank you, Bo. Mm-hmm.
Thank you again so much. And we appreciate you for being a part of the Silence of Shame movement and for being a part of such an amazing show in Giants. Thank you guys for having me. All right. Thank you. Talk to you later. Bye, Vanessa. Bye, Vanessa. All right, guys. So I want to get back into season two. Yeah. I mean, I can't believe that it's premiering tomorrow. I'm so hyped and, for and, this. and what's so, so dope is because, um, you know, this will go up tonight, um, the podcast. We're going to switch things up and make sure we get this out to our listeners tonight so everybody can tune in tomorrow um one we have to talk about what we're doing tomorrow too in atlanta georgia for those of you that are in atlanta although we're kind of sold out but Mm. uh we're excited we're doing um a panel discussion called giants fall breaking the silence around mental health and we're going to do the one hour panel discussion and we have some amazing panelists we have dr ayana abrams who's a, a local therapist here in Atlanta, but is a huge fan, as you know, yes. of the series. Um, we have Vaughn Gay, who is the Associate Director of Counseling Services at Morehouse School of Medicine. We have the fabulous Miss Nicole Kane from mm-hmm. XO Nicole, which she's going to share her story and journey with her mental wellness, as well as the amazing Carrie Hilson, uh, actress and songwriter and singer. Um, just such a blessing to be able to pull together um, this type of talent for our panel discussion tomorrow. So, I mean, what's the juice? Like, tell us about season two. I know we have all these wonderful characters, Malachi, and of course, we just got off with Vanessa, who's Journey, and then a day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I really love his character, by yeah. the way. Um, Played by Sean Samuels. Yeah, handsome. Such a great handsome talent. Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So season two is a it's a it's a roller coaster. We really take these characters through it. The thing that I love about season two is we uh, dig a lot deeper. Yeah. I think season one we did a, a a pretty good job of introducing these characters and their giants and really giving our audience the opportunity to understand who they are. But we didn't give a lot of whys. Like mm. why is Malachi this way? Why won't Malachi just get a nine to five? What is Malachi <laughs> running from? You know right? What, what you if he running from? I feel like I'm Malachi right now. <laughs> I'm trying to get this foundation going, right. but I really don't want to take that five. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like you feel like you're you've been called, you know, for something else. And uh, so, like Malachi, the name actually. Well, you know, I'm not gonna say that because we no, we yeah we talk about that. <laughs> In episode Spoiler two, right. we were getting ready, boy. Yeah. Yeah. We was about to drag it out. Exactly. But, the, but the thing that we we really uh, dig into these characters' past, and we start to understand how they were connected, and also we start to peel back the layers of their insecurities. And so, my mm-hmm. hope is that by the end of season two, you just really understand these people a whole lot more. And the hope is that you know you have a bit more empathy. That once you kind of know someone's background and the the why to their what then uh you can be more empathetic you know with them and but then the hope is that you'll see yourself or people that you know in these characters and that that empathy will then translate to people in your real life Mm -hmm. you know what's interesting about the character a day um because for those of you that hadn't seen season one of giants i suggest that you go on over youtube right now um under Issa ray's youtube channel and subscribe to that channel and just binge watch because it is definitely one of those shows that you could just binge and watch in one day mm-hmm. a series rather um let's talk about a day's character and how you know obviously you can talk about his overall mental wellness because it's got to be difficult because he has this secret i guess that yeah. he had within his family but then when his father found out um some of the things that he you know preferred socially that 
he wasn't going to be accepted anymore yeah. by his dad. But that talk about like what does that do to your mental psyche? That's got to yeah. bring on stress and anxiety that could lead to depression as mm-hmm. well. You know, I think it's so fitting that we're talking about this on Silence the Shame, mm-hmm. uh, the podcast, because <laughs> many folks would say that a, a day's giant is his sexuality. Right. right? But. To me, to me, that's not it. It's mm-hmm. not it. It's shame. It's shame. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's shame. Absolutely. Like shame is the giant. Yeah. It's the thing that yeah. will not allow him yeah. to be his full self. Absolutely. It's the thing that is keeping him uh, from walking fully in his truth. Mm-hmm. And it's the thing that's presented uh, fear uh, as far as how uh, his father, you know, views him. Mm-hmm. And so um, a day is a special character. And um, we... Uh, it's, 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 of course, uh, similar to Journey. It's one of those topics, one of those characters that so many of our audience members have been able to really identify and connect with because whether you're struggling with your sexuality or not, we all have uh, some level of shame or something that we are looking to come to terms with. And uh, in particular, like TJ and I were talking about this, just um, – the need to please your parents mm-hmm. yeah. and even like we're 30 yeah. right. like we're in our 30s <laughs> and we're still you know trying to live up to our parents expectations of us mm-hmm. and sometimes that can uh, create a, a real burden in particular on a person and uh, just finding the courage just to be yourself and realizing that you can't live your mom and dad's dream for you that yeah. you really have to live out your own dream and the expectations of where they feel like where you feel you should be by this age yeah. or what you should be doing yeah. mm-hmm. TJ yeah. can you um, talk about um, Takara she's also Eva. known as Eva. TJ Eva. <laughs> <laughs> um, can you talk a little bit more about that and then what do you think is some advice that you guys could give um, as millennials to parents right in terms of understanding their, their kids more and being able to allow them to live out their dreams yeah. So that it doesn't result into depression and shame and so forth. Right. I think I think parents, honestly, sometimes it's just because we know the world um, or I'm not a parent. Sorry. Parents know the world <laughs> um, mm-hmm. that they unknowingly stifle mm-hmm. creativity and imagination. Mm-hmm. Someone I really respected once said that imagination is a perishable skill. If you don't mm-hmm. use it, you lose it. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like sometimes, you like know, that. kids or adolescents don't know something is in a box until someone tells them. So if they go into a library and they're just being themselves, not until their parent tells them, the sh- do they know that that's not the environment? Right. You know what I'm right, saying? Right. So I think it's really just to let your kids be them and just let and support them and, and what mm-hmm. they want to do. Because I know as I was growing up and I, I was just talking to Jay, we just had this conversation at breakfast. Um, therapy is helping me with that. It's just that like, I'm an adult. I kind of need to live my life. And although my parents said that. I'm going to play devil's advocate. Let me jump in. So you want to live your life, but you out (laughs) robbing. And so let's clarify that a little bit more. Well, yes. I mean, there's definitely boundaries in everything. Right. I'm I'm speaking from a creativity standpoint. Yes. Thank you for clarifying. No problem. Um, So for me, I just need to to live that creative life and not worry about what my parents are going to think about this art that I'm creating was Mm -hmm. a question that we got last night at Morehouse about, um, because James is half naked in the first episode <laughs> and how he how he prepares for those roles and what he's thinking about as far as his parents and my parents were in the audience that I honestly said, I don't think about it until someone else views the work. Mm-hmm. Like right. when we're in it and we're producing it, I'm doing a job. I'm doing something that I love. Um, I'm just making the art come to life. But it's not until other people's fears or right. whatever come on to you. Or insecurities. That insecurities mm-hmm. come on to you that you're like, oh, wait. 
should I be ashamed of this? Mm-hmm. Or is this not how I thought I felt about this? So long story short. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I want to ask who wrote the, um, the conversation between Malachi and a day at the end, like, the one that you recited to him mm-hmm. when you gave him the poem. Oh yeah, I wrote oh, that James. poem. Ah, uh, fire. Oh, yeah, James. thank you. Fire. And he yeah. write, free writes poems. Right, because so I was like, I know that's, like, son, <laughs> I, I that's when I started spreading. I was like, let me spread this. I gotta spread this <laughs> as much as I can. Yeah, I wrote that poem. It's funny. I wrote that poem years prior to Giants. Okay. And so it was some. It was a poem that was in the archives that I pulled out to put in Giants because it was so fitting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I did a play. I ran a play where the entire the entire production was spoken word mm-hmm. and I played Christ in the play. And so I had to write to different situations. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the final pieces was Christ's perspective in terms of talking to all of these different people and all of their different issues. And, and uh, the resounding message that I received when I really sat and meditated on it was, you know, God just saying, I know you mm-hmm. like everything that you've been through, everything that you're dealing with, like this idea that I'm void of any of this is 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 not the case is you know untrue and that um like i've already forgiven it and we just have to find the the courage to forgive ourselves Mm -hmm. what's the thing and sometimes we remain a slave to things that are already forgiven Mm -hmm. and uh you know one of the things that uh i would you know give in terms of advice to parents is this is that love liberates like Maya Angelou was one of my favorite people mine too and she often talked about how her mom liberated her through love Mm -hmm. and how she and then in her adulthood had to do the same thing for her mom and so you just got to know like that true unconditional love uh, means uh, liberating a person and liberating a person means setting them free to be exactly who they were created to be and not stifling them and not putting them into a particular box but um, just allowing them to exist as they are and, and giving someone the acknowledgement that they are enough mm-hmm. yeah. and finding out how to do that can be the tricky part mm-hmm. but sometimes words alone are, are powerful just mm-hmm. saying the words you're enough mm-hmm. yeah. or it's funny because um, I we are um, we've done a partnership with Jack and Jill of America Incorporated mm-hmm. and right now we're in the middle of a seven city team mental health tour and that's one of the things that I share with the teens it's like I, I ask them to recite you are enough mm-hmm. you got to keep telling yourself that because you know dealing with this and just overall mental wellness is so important that you encourage yourself you yeah. know mm-hmm. as much as you need therapy yeah. um, and not even just you know with teen everybody we all need to encourage ourselves and wake up and, and have these daily mantras and you know sometimes I'm always looking in the mirror like contemplating am I enough but knowing that I need to tell myself that mm-hmm. I am mm-hmm. enough right and, and social mm-hmm. media doesn't help it does. yeah. <laughs> scrolling through everybody's highlight reel and it's like oh lord okay yeah. am, I, right, am I doing enough real. am I enough you right. know yeah so yeah, it, that's it, a good self care tip. It's just turning the phone off. That is a great self care tip. Turning the phone off. A weekend off, and I turn my phone off. I tell a few people that I love, "You're not gonna be able to reach mm-hmm. me by way of phone. Mm-hmm. I don't check email. I don't do social media. Nothing, because it's so like living in LA. There's always somebody with more mm-hmm. than you, more mm-hmm. money, more followers, more, mm-hmm. more uh, influence, more yeah. skinnier, whatever. Right. And right. so. If you're if you get caught up in that, like it's detrimental. It yeah, really it is. is. It's yeah. detrimental. Yeah, that's real talk. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to shift just a quick bit. Um, just talk about what it's like in terms of the stress and anxiety of being a director mm-hmm. and writer in LA. <laughs> you know, right. trying because I know you're an actor as well, yeah. right? And trying mm-hmm. to get your foot in the door and do more. And I'm sure TJ, you have more aspirations. Like, 
What's that like? And and I know that, um, you know, when Free was talking to Vanessa with that one specific question, she talked a little bit about actresses. But let's kind of dig into that a little bit more in terms of what it means to to take care of your own mental wellness when trying to pursue a career a competition in Hollywood. For sure. You want to kick that off? Sure. TJ? Uh, so this season I actually directed one episode. It was my first time directing anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and Congratulations. Thank you so mm-hmm. much. Episode 203. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> um, and so... When James told me, you know, you can do it, I was like, okay, cool. He's going to be there to hold my hand, da, da, da. And, like, we got into it, and, like, he was more hands-off than I expected him to be. (laughs) And so um, I already have anxiety. So the pressure of wanting to do well and live up to his expectations and really just keep the show at the caliber that it was added stress onto that. I also work a full daytime job in Mm -hmm. entertainment marketing. So okay. it was a lot going on. And I remember after the first day we were we were shooting and I called my friend who also has anxiety, which probably wasn't like the right person to call. <laughs> but I called my friend and I was like, what did I get in myself into? Like, mm. what am I doing? Like, I, I'm not going to be able to do these four days. Like it was we had two party scenes. We had five shooting days. We had a first time actor who was like in a big role. It was like death by fire for a first time mm-hmm. director. Yeah. Like it was mm-hmm. crazy. And one of the things that my 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 nine to five job gave me was they paid for us to do uh, transcendental meditation. Mm. And so I really had to meditate during those days because Mm. that's what really helped to calm me Mm. and for me to think clearly. So even when I was on set, I would sometimes just find a corner and just like Mm -hmm. take a breath and just Mm -hmm. breathe because you can get so wrapped up in, okay, we need a location. And this person's asking you this question. It's like your mind doesn't have time to like rest Mm -hmm. your mind is constantly going and with anxiety like that's how my mind is always so now Mm -hmm. it's an overdrive Mm -hmm. and so for me it was really just about like recognizing that seeing the steps um, or seeing that the the symptoms that I have talked about with my therapist and recognizing it and being like okay this is something I can do to deal with this today and and go from there and actually one of those days I saw her um, because I was feeling a little overwhelmed but you know it, it always works out yeah, it does. It always it works does. out. And I'm just, I applaud you for seeing a therapist and, and being okay oh, yeah. with that. I'm pissed that my parents didn't put me in therapy earlier, <laughs> yeah, quite yeah, honestly. Yeah. Me too. Like, yeah, yeah. I find that a lot of people, once they actually go to therapy, feel like this was the good move. Yeah. 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 I have a confession. I really want to start therapy. Do tell. Mm-hmm. But um, I fear that I cannot afford it. Uh, being you a, 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 you can. a freelancer <laughs> in Los Angeles, I'm extremely conscious of money and budget i literally just got health insurance Mm -hmm. i went without health insurance for what i got kicked off my parents so what 20 what's the age it was 26 26 Mm -hmm. probably and i'm 32 now and i just didn't have health insurance because i'm always so conscious about where my money's going because i never quite know when that next check is coming Uh, but i I recently and giants is a big part of this in particular having these conversations about mental health i I realized that I need to uh, take better self-care, you know, of myself. And so I've started the recommendation process. Like I put up a Facebook post and had a ton Mm -hmm. of friends just Mm -hmm. flood my inbox with suggestions for therapists that I can see in L.A. I haven't taken that step yet. 
to actually setting up the You know I'm going to be on you now. Right. Do it, please. Yeah. You. I, I had a friend <laughs> did the same thing with uh, just getting health care. Mm-hmm. And I finally uh, went ahead and got uh, health insurance, rather. Mm-hmm. And uh, just had a physical for like the first time in like seven years. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, you so gotta if, do that. Like yeah. so, we're so in the important. exact same boat. You know what yeah. I mean? So I can definitely relate to that. Like that's something that I think about all the time because I went to, I went to therapy by way of something that had to be disproved when I was young. So like, and it was like, I, um, just to give a brief story, when I was younger in about um, first grade, I was going through like my teacher was racist. It was like Georgia, and it was very real, and so. She said that I needed to be on Ritalin, and Ritalin was new. And so my mother didn't know what it was at the time, and my mother, being who she is, did her investigations and found out that the teacher had all of the black boys on Ritalin in the class. Wow. And so um, when they took me to a psychiatrist, the psychiatrist said that I didn't need Ritalin. Mm-hmm. Um, and my mom did through this whole thing where she told the teacher that I actually was taking it so that she could kind of, like, disprove the teacher and then whatever. Did you see a therapist in addition to your psychiatrist? No. So you technically the, didn't go to therapy. You just saw the psychiatrist. I just saw a psychiatrist, yeah. right. Yeah. Okay. And so, but the psychiatrist said that she still wanted to see me after because she just thought that it would be good for me. Mm-hmm. But I never did after that. My dad kind of stepped in and my dad was like, you don't need to see a shrink, mm-hmm. you know, and he wasn't cool with that. So now that I've gotten older and I've seen people go, my mom has gone to therapy. Um, my sister went for a short amount of time and I've seen what it's done for people. Mm -hmm. Like I want to do it because I enjoy talking. I enjoy being vulnerable, Mm -hmm. but I want something that kind of isn't, you know, just your friend. You get what I'm saying? Like you want somebody that you can talk to that's unbiased for sure. One thing I can say to all of you guys. And for those of you that are listening and that may be in the younger generational millennial generation, I I think that comes up a lot that people are afraid that they can't afford it. Um, And if they go once, will they be able to continue in those sessions? One, it's a lot, a lot of great therapists out there mm-hmm. that are willing to work with people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So just like, you know, you're afraid, you know, you really just, you got to open yourself up. And, and if you think it's something that's really going to help you, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know for y'all that are spiritual, God will make a way or the mm-hmm. universe will for create sure. a way mm-hmm. or a path for you. Definitely believe that. You just can't, you know, stop and, and you know, use uh, Silence of Shame as a resource. You know, we have a resource tab and, and one of the organizations that we do a lot of work with is NAMI and the one thing that NAMI does is they have a lot of great support groups and so mm-hmm. sometimes if you can't afford a ther- therapy session you can go to a support group mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. support groups sometimes can be more helpful for some people and maybe they're not ready for therapy but just mm-hmm. being in a room with other people mm-hmm. right that are going through some of the same experiences mm-hmm. can help out a lot also <clears throat> we have um, a partnership with the crisis text line organization and so you, we have a keyword. You can text the word silence to 741-741 if anyone that you know ever feels like they're in crisis. Mm-hmm. And so for young people, sometimes it's easier to text. And so mm-hmm. when you text that um, word silence to 741-741, you're automatically connected to um, a counselor. And then they can point you in the direction of therapists in your area. Mm-hmm. So it's just so many wonderful resources out there. So yeah. please don't let that discourage you. I know we need money for everything, but there's <clears throat> so many people out there, <clears throat> excuse me, that want to help. And yeah. oftentimes we also hear that some of the better therapists, you know, there's a wait for like three mm-hmm. or four months. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. we hear that all the time, but you know, maybe you can ask that therapist for a recommendation because you know, they all talk and network with one another. So mm-hmm. please don't let that stop you if you're really suffering and, and need the support. For sure. And the Thank first you person that. you see might not be the therapist for you. Like, oh, girl. I've yeah. several yeah, before this I all the time. got my. Yeah. So, Two, three, four. Yeah. That yeah. yeah. Great I just got to start. 
It's got to take that yeah. first step. I always yeah. say therapy is like the best thing in my job ever got me because yeah. it's like I focus so much time on other people sometimes that there's no one really focusing 100% of their time on me so that 45 minutes once a week it's like mm-hmm. all about you all about me and just look at it That's you know f- people that are afraid of therapy just look at it like having an objective person to talk to mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes you don't have that family yeah. member or someone that's not going to be subjective. Mm-hmm. And you need someone totally, you know, unbiased, unremoved, and, and mm-hmm. that understands, you know, overall mental wellness. So, mm. boy, this has been great. This has been good. Yeah. Oh, sure. and you know what? Oh, my God. Hello. First of all, I got to shout out Monique. Yes, Monique Jackson. That's how we met. Mm-hmm. Love you, Monique. And you guys were... You didn't even really know a lot about the Silence for Shame movement. And I asked you if you could because I'm going to put my marketing hat back on because I have <laughs> mm-hmm. 26 years in the game. Yeah, of, you, you know, were marketing. on our radar before really? Monique connected. Yeah, I, really? Actually, I was, I was about about on social media at the same time that she introduced you yep. to him. Like, I was talking to, like, your social really? media people putting this message in. Yeah. Fire. That is so Fire. Good. Look at God. And so, you know, <laughs> I know y'all going to tune into the second season and binge watch it like I know I am. Mm-hmm. In the last episode of season two, you might see somebody rocking a Silence of Shame yes. shirt. Yes. So mm-hmm. Our shirts are kind of becoming popular, so we're excited about that. Um, I just want to thank you guys um, for being here, for the creativity um, that you have within the show, Giants, um, and then for bringing this conversation of minorities and mental health in America to the forefront Mm -hmm. um, with the millennial um, community specifically. It is an amazing show. You need to do yourself a favor and watch it. Definitely. It premieres tomorrow. Again, go to Issa Rae's YouTube channel. Check it out. I'm so excited. And and the conversation (laughs) tomorrow, like, um, if you guys can't, well, you're not going to be in Atlanta, but tell them how they can tune in tomorrow to the yeah, actual conversation. Yeah, so we're going we're we're gonna to live stream. And so we're still working out the details on that. But uh, if you follow XO Nicole mm-hmm. or Hello Nicole, I believe is uh, Nicole's Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you follow us at Giants the Series on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, we'll post the link to where you can live stream the panel discussion tomorrow. That's dope. And of course, and we'll we'll make sure on our so- social media yeah. Um, yeah, channels yeah. that we'll let we'll you guys know. We'll definitely give the directive. And then um, Nicole, I think it's N-E, right? Yep. Instead of N I. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. So it's spelled with the E. Yeah. Shout out Nicole and Carrie. We can't wait mm-hmm. to see you guys mm-hmm. tomorrow. And one more thing, please make sure that you subscribe and rate the show. Um, that's yes. for everybody. We that's a that. directive. Please subscribe and rate the show and share it with other people because we yes. always have something dope going on. All right. So, guys, this has been episode 12 of the Silence of Shame podcast. We love you. Make sure you continue to silence the shame and tune in tomorrow for mm-hmm. the season two premiere of Giants. If you or anyone you love needs a hand, please shine light on the darkness. Spark the conversation. It's time we silence the shame. Let's talk about it.